0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was quick. <laughs> I tried to transition the, uh, the the hypnotic brass ensemble out, and in my uh, grab for dark chocolate, I got a little excited and just I just cut it off on you this time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sam Gilstrap. That name has a ring to it, like a wedding vow. I am here today with Sylvia Gregory. Hello, Hello. Thank you for being a guest on the the Ghost Lights podcast.
1: I am thrilled to be here. This Thank is, you for asking me.
0: Absolutely, this is an exciting time. We're uh, <laughs> we're trying to do big things over here with my laptop and cellular phone on a on a uh, on a tripod selfie stick.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's how it's done.
0: Exa- exactly. It, it doesn't get any classier or more professional than this. That's right all you now. need. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing on this fine Sunday?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's right? a beautiful day. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the evening and just hanging out with my husband Sam. And nice doing
0: that cool yeah that's a great thing to do it's a well, great thing. without without any further ado you are i just know you as a, a as an acting teacher coach and casting director does it go beyond that no
1: that's all there is awesome
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> well that's the end of the episode thanks, thanks no. so
1: much i love being
0: here <laughs> no problem so how did you get into all that oh my gosh what what, ter- what turns you on to that
1: well it's uh Wow, it's such a long story. How much time have we got? have
0: got... I can Hours be here now. all night. Great. Yeah. Um, Sam you know, might get a little worked up about that. might get hungry. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I started off as an actor, and I was acting since preschool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, acting my whole life. Um, I was mostly doing musical theater until I got into undergrad, and... Someone cast me in Edmund by David Mamet, mm. and my head exploded. <laughs> and then I wanted to do All-American Naturalism. So I dropped my musical theater degree mm-hmm. and just got a, just a basic acting degree. Um, and then from then I went to um, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts for a year, which is where I discovered classical theater, which ended up becoming sort of my great passion. Mm. Um, and then I got a master's from the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Um, wow so I have I have so much education mm-hmm. my parents are so thrilled I'm finally using it all, um, <laughs> all of my education that they pay for um, and uh, the moved to New York and was mm-hmm. acting in New York and I was there for nine nine ten years mm-hmm. and about halfway through I just realized I was miserably unhappy I was mm. so in debt I mean my monthly minimum credit card uh, bill was more than my rent Wow. It was it was really bad. And mm. I just was not able, even with working multiple jobs, uh, you know, coat checking and temping and doing all the things you do in New York to be an actor, I couldn't I couldn't keep it up. I just couldn't afford it. And also my friends would get cast and I would be like, you know, why did why did they get cast? Damn it, you know. Exactly. I, I found myself to be becoming very uh bitter and small. Mm. Um and I didn't like it. So I quit um, and I quit completely and I went and got a job at Columbia University Mm -hmm. and I was coordinating a traumatic injury, a traumatic brain injury clinical trial. Mm -hmm. I did that for two years and it basically hurt in cats. Yes. Um, Because there's doctors, there's 50 doctors all over the country and you're trying to coordinate them all to get them together for meetings and stuff. Um, I during that time didn't want to See actors or talk to actors. Mm. All of our friends were actors, and Sam would be like, There's a party, you know, so and so's having. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to listen to their stories. I don't to listen to them talk. I hate mm. it. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, so I really, really removed myself from it for a couple of years. And then I realized I missed it. Mm. I missed the arts. I missed theater. I missed being involved in a community like that. Mm. But I knew I didn't want to act anymore. So at that time, Sam got an offer from. The then new artistic director, Kent Thompson, here at Denver Center to come out and join the company, because sure. we knew him from Alabama, mm-hmm. um, and Bruce c v also knew Bruce from Alabama, um, and they both came here to Denver Center. Um, and Sam was like, yeah, it's time to get out of New York, you know, mm-hmm. it was too hard. So we, we moved here, and I talked to Kent and Bruce, and they both knew me as an actor, and I said, I want to be involved, but I don't want to act anymore. Mm-hmm. Could I intern in casting with Mm -hmm. Bruce and so they worked out a deal where I interned in casting and I ran wardrobe for the shows to make money while Mm -hmm. I was interning um, because they didn't have budget to pay me for any internship Mm -hmm. so that's how they did that I think Um, that for a year and then I got on staff and I was doing that for a couple years and then I got let go with a bunch of other people I think around the time the recession hit I think they did some cuts so I was one of the cuts at least that's why I tell myself I was cut. <laughs> <laughs> and um,
0: that makes that feel a little yeah, easier. Exactly. As well. oh, okay. Yeah. Um,
1: and then I was sort of casting around ha, huh, casting around. Mm-hmm. Um and I sent an email out to everyone I knew in Den- in the Denver area just saying, you know, anyone ha- need a casting person, anyone looking for help with casting? And the response I basically got was, ha, ha, ha. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and then a couple months after saying that out, Kathy Ryan King wrote me back, who was mm. a casting director here in town at the time. Mm. And she said, I have two castings in the same week, and I can't do it by myself. I need some help. Bruce. So I helped her and um, worked. It was a good relationship. And so we went into business together That's... after after some discussion. And so we started Ryan King Gregory Casting. And okay. so from Bruce, it... Denver Center, and Kent to a lesser degree, I learned... I already knew about good acting Mm -hmm. from my training as an actor. From Bruce and Kent, I learned casting for stage. Um, Also, Paul Fouquet, who's with Alyssa Meyer Casting in New York, was um, influential for me as well. Mm. He's always been there. If I have questions, I can reach out to him. Even still, I'll reach out to him and go, I I got this, what's this about? Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned stage casting from those guys, and then Kathy took me on. And Kathy had been the she cast at NBC and she did like Frasier and she did news radio. She did the first season of Arrested development. I think, nice. um, she'd done night at the Roxbury. She'd done a couple of movies too. Mm-hmm. you know, probably a lot of movies cause she was in, in NBC casting for years in LA. Yeah. And so from her, I learned on camera stuff. Um, she was sort of my guide for that. So between Bruce and Kent and Kathy, I got a really well rounded education just practically. Yeah. Um, and then kathy Kathy um, went back to l a and I took over the business, mm-hmm. and I own it now um, and it 's my business and now i 'm taking someone on to help as an associate mm-hmm. and so I have a couple employees who it 's mostly freelance because the jobs are you know they 're up and down yeah um, but they you know I have some stable people who who are usually around to help, which is nice. Good. But it's a, it was a long... It wasn't like people come to me and go, I want to be a casting director. How do you do it? And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know how you do it. I just got lucky. You know. I mean, I knew the right people. I had the skills, fortunately. And I just... It was a long... I was in a position where I could sustain you know, not making a lot of income for a long period of time mm-hmm. because of Sam's job.
2: Yeah.
1: So that... I just, I got lucky. I don't really know how people become, I guess you go and intern somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, and you learn it and then you grow into it. I think that's how it's done in the big cities. Yeah. But when people in Denver are like, I want to be a casting director, I'm always like, well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it works out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Godspeed.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It, it's, do you, first one question that jumps to mind, do you sit there during a an audition and think I missed that?
1: Ah, never. 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 In fact, we did a, Couple years ago, maybe two years ago, there was a a fundraiser called Screenplay that Adrian Egoff Goff mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. doing. I think they just had and, uh, um They they I think they just did another one too. Yeah, like Empire Records, I think. Yeah, they did Empire Records. That's yeah. right. Um, and um, we did Breakfast Club, mm. and so it, the idea was that all the people who were playing the teenagers had been teenagers when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. So Sam was the nerd. Timothy McCracken was the jock. I was the Molly Ringwald character. Mm -hmm. Erin Roman was uh, the Ally Sheedy character. She was amazing. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it was super. It was a lot of fun. And rehearsing it was so fun. And I couldn't wait to get in rehearsal. I loved it. And I had such a good... And Andrew Ollenhaap was the Judd Nelson. He was great. I mean, everyone in it was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And the rehearsals were so much fun. Um, And um, we got to performance. And I was just like, I'm going to throw up. And I don't want to do it. And I couldn't... You know, John Moore was the principal, and he was getting all the laughs. And I was like, mm. oh, screw that guy. John Moore. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know acting. But but I really was like, I I have this speech towards the end, and I just rushed through it so fast because I was like, I cannot wait to get off stage. I cannot mm. wait to get this over with. Um, so that was every now and then I try acting again, and I remind myself how much I do not like it. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: What, what, what was the things that excited you when you were in school as you started studying it?
1: Mm. Well, um... Initially, it was the costumes. Initially, mm. it was wearing really pretty dresses. Yeah. And my my graduate um, advisor, I made him laugh because I was always being cast as a boy mm. because or a eunuch <laughs> because I was tall and at the time very thin. I didn't have any curves. So I wasn't getting cast as women and or I was a very masculine woman or whatever. And mm-hmm. I went to him for our final thesis project and I was like, please, please, please can I please have a pretty dress for this one? So we did a restoration play, and I got this beautiful big purple dress with this big wig, and I was like, yay, finally a pretty dress. Um, but no, I, I think I really loved, um, for me, it was always about the other people. Ah. For me, it was always about the other actors. It was about working with other actors. I love actors. I'm attracted to actors, not, you know, yeah. like as a magnet pulls people. I'm, mm-hmm. I find them to be fascinating and smart and funny, and yes, narcissistic, but... Sorry.
0: Um, no, it's totally fine. Um,
1: but uh, I just, uh, I love them. I love being around them. I love mm-hmm. their creativeness. I love the surprise that they bring out. Uh, and for me, it was also being part of a community and yeah. having a built-in group of friends. Um, whenever you do a show or you're in a grad company, grad school or whatever, you know, you have your built-in group and yeah. it's there. And if it's t- for two years or eight weeks or whatever, you know those people usually, mostly, are there for you. Yeah. And then now with... Social media, you keep, it used to be, you didn't have that to keep in touch with people. Um, and you just sort of, they would just come and go through your life. But now it's really nice to be able to keep up with those people or find those people again. And yeah. Then, you know, I'm friends now on, on social media with people that I did shows with back when I was in New York who I never thought I'd see again. You know, wow. but it's really fun to be like, oh my God, they have three kids <laughs> or whatever.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool that what the main thing that pulled you in is the community. And then to see you as a casting director. Like you're you're creating communities, do, or do you feel that way? Oh my way? gosh.
1: I never feel that I'm creating communities. Mm-hmm. I would love it if somebody else thought that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think I'm gonna reference John Morgan. I think that's his job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's very good at that. Nice. Um but uh I'm just thrilled to be a part of a place that has such a strong community, mm-hmm. that has such a, a people who care for each other, yeah. people who don't know each other, who care for each other,
2: yeah.
1: um, people who support each other when they need it, whether they know each other, whether they're friends or not. Mm-hmm. That to me is amazing. And, you know, this is the strongest knit theater community I've been a part of. Maybe that's partially because it's a smaller town than mm-hmm. New York or, or yeah. L.A., which are London, places I've lived before. Mm-hmm. Um, but i I just think people really have each other's back here in Denver. I like that a lot Definitely.
0: yeah yeah it's it's one of the I, I think you i think there is a big part of it that is in terms of our scope as a theater community it's seems to be narrower and um it's really cool just how i mean even at all levels like when i like when I showed up at the Arvada Center last year, it was they yeah, had these were all people I knew, but then like there was such there was such crossover, everyone else mm-hmm. seemed to know each other to a degree, was kind to one another, understood that, uh, I mean, at least for me, I was, I'd never been on a, in an, an environment like that, a professional environment like that, and there was no ego that, that knocked me out of it or made me feel like I didn't belong, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's, and I and I think that's really kind of cool to see that, how much they're there for each other, mm-hmm. as you put it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, of course, there's the random occasional jerk. You know, There always is. But it's a...
0: I've got some backup should we need it. Great. So, where were we?
1: I was just going to say, even though it's a smaller pool, Mm -hmm. I'm always amazed at how many new actors or actors I haven't seen there are in Denver who are very good. And I know that there's a constant inflow and there's a flux. You know, people come into town and then people leave town and... Mm -hmm. um, I know that happens here a lot, but I'm... I'm no, it's all you. Um, but I'm always... I'm always really delighted at actors. Or, you know, I just met someone... I can't remember who it is right now, but recently met someone who's been here for years mm-hmm. who I didn't know. You know, and it was like, oh my gosh, I should know you, you yeah. know? And why haven't I seen you? Or mm-hmm. What are you doing? You know, so... I, I I keep saying it's a smaller pool, but I want to emphasize that it's it's still a fresh and rotating pool. Absolutely. And there's a lot of really... It's a smaller pool, but there's a lot of really good people
0: here. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. yeah. From, with your multitudes of perspective in terms of your casting, because <laughs> you do film, yes. or at least TV, and then you also do s- stage, theater. You're, you are the CSF guru. <laughs> How, is there a difference to what an actor should be doing at those auditions?
1: Between like an, a commercial yeah. audition and a stage audition? Yeah. A Shakespeare audition? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, you know, I think the prep is always the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think really it's just a question of presence and size. Mm. For instance, for Color Shakespeare Festival, the outdoor amphitheater seats a thousand people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yes, we're actors are mic'd now, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but you still have to have a huge theatrical presence to perform out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you have to be able to have vocal size to be out there, even with the mics. Um, so we often are looking for people, and Tim Orr, who's the artistic director, will sometimes send people all the way across the room or if we're in a theater, all the way across the theater and say, let me hear your voice. Mm. And if if he doesn't feel that he's getting the size he needs, then that's that, you know? Um, So for something like CSF, it's it's really about theatricality and about size. Mm. And then the opposite is true for commercials. I mean, you still, you wanna bring in all that energy but it's all got to be internalized. Mm. Um the size is is really really small. It's um it, it's sort of you know it's not an outward energy it's more of an inward energy. It's hard for me to explain it without showing you with my hands cuz I yeah. like to talk with my hands. Um but it's a it's do all that but do it less, mm-hmm. and then do it less, and then do it less, <laughs> and then do it less. <laughs> there's very few times in a commercial edition where I'll where I'll say, "Can you be bigger?" Yeah. I've done it once or twice, and I'm always like, "I can't believe I'm saying this." But can you be bigger? Um, but usually, it's it's all very internalized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's to me. I mean, I'm sure there's many differences, but yeah. they're two different they're two different sets of muscles in the same physical framework.
0: Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah do you do you find the the internalization does it is quality of acting even on those when for me i i am a guy who really likes to bring it in uh-huh. sometimes like uh-huh. i mean just i'll I'll even get the clamped I'll clench my ass and uh-huh. try and have you all come into me to uh-huh. get the moment uh-huh. does that do you find that there's a that there's a quality that's better a stage or are you looking for like a balance to be struck in terms of like I think my question is is missing here. What am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> what do I need? No, definitely. Uh, so, so for film, yes, we bring it in. Does it is it harder to get pulled into that? To take two, two. For B- me, yeah.
1: As an as a viewer and observer, mm-hmm. no. In fact, if someone is being too big for an on camera audition, it really pushes me away. Mm. And I always like to think of um, trade secret. I always like to think of think of the camera as a cat. And, of course, I love cats, Mm. Um, as everyone who knows me knows. Um, (laughs) But a cat, if you, if the cat is sitting there and you're like, come to me, baby, oh, kitty cat, I love you, I love you, you know, the cat's going to be like, get away from me, screw you. (laughs) But if you're like, screw you, cat, I don't want to talk to you, the cat's like, please, please, please. So I was like, let the camera come to you. Mm -hmm. Don't try to go to the camera. So I think maybe the difference is, in stage you want to try to go to the audience mm-hmm. and for on camera you want to let the camera come to you mm. the camera is observing you rather than you bringing your energy out to the yeah. audience
0: uh, no it does not yeah no it okay. m- makes a lot of sense what i was often when i hear people talking about especially when you're talking about I, I hear these words that kind of feel like oh maybe it's the frame of the picture that's limiting and that's why it's got to be restrained i see but it, it sounds like there's a, just there's a way of delivering a specific performance powerful and not I mean
1: yes if you film yourself if you film yourself doing a stage monologue Mm -hmm. the way you would do it for an audition for stage the way you would do it for an audition for Denver Center Arvada Center Colorado Shakespeare Festival Mm -hmm. and you watch it you will be amazed at how over-the-top and hammy and mannered and crazy it looks and how much it takes to get it down to filmic
2: size
1: mm-hmm. um, how little you need to be doing to be filmic mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's very hard to explain without just practicing it but what you want to do is just take all of that energy and all of that size and hold it inside like a little ball of energy mm-hmm. and just bring it out through your eyes and I don't mean like be crazy eyes no oh, yeah but on camera everything is expressed through your eyes I mean there's still physical work and stuff but mostly it's it's not a big physical performance, usually, unless mm-hmm. you're spacey and usual suspects or something like that that's very physical. Totally. Okay.
0: Dogs. We, oh, my God. The dogs Some,
1: are killing each other in this neighborhood.
0: I'm terrified right now. Oh, my God. Well, at least we're up here on the third floor. Yeah, I know. They can't we're, get to me.
1: We're pretty safe at the zombies attack, too. Definitely.
0: But. Oh, good. Good. Oh, yeah, we can totally pick them off from me. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Do you have any, do you have um, a rifle?
1: I have no rifle.
0: Oh, well, that's probably for the best. In case, in case this doesn't go well, I have some and rubber bands though. That, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Got him! Got him! He's he's still coming though. <laughs> that's oh <hard>. well. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so it's 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 one of those things that you just have to play with, and students are always really fascinated when they see themselves mm-hmm. and how, and they're like, I felt like I was doing nothing, and it's like that's it's it's really a case of do don't show for on camera stuff. Yeah. Don't show me that you're doing something. Just do it. Yeah, And that's when they say, you know, just acting as being, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. I mean, yes, it is. And that's absolutely true. But what is it? What I don't know what that really means. But it's just really just about don't show me that you're brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Just brush your teeth, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, whereas sometimes on stage you have to show me that you're brushing your teeth because the mm-hmm. people in the back row of the Thousand seat Amphitheater can't see it if your hand's just in front of your face. Exactly. You know? So there's part of the difference, too, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you... When you, is that a, is the show a big sign of somebody who is new to the game?
2: Mm.
1: New to the game or not, not studying. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: New to the game or not connected.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, because I've seen people who've been doing this a long time who still come in and sometimes they show me instead of just doing it. Yeah. And if I can get them to where they're just doing it, they're great. But there are some people who have been doing it for so long and they, you know, uh, acting styles are like fashion. They change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it becomes, certain styles become dated. And if someone comes in and they're doing stuff from the 80s, styles, acting styles from the 80s, I'm going to be like, that's not what we're looking for. You know, I mean, um, if you watch, you know, film acting mm-hmm. and if you watch Shakespeare film acting, it's yeah. really clear. Like you watch Olivier's Henry V and then you watch Branagh's Henry V. And then you watch Tom Hiddleston's Henry V. You have three different, very three different styles of acting. And yeah. the Hiddleston one is now contemporary. You know, I grew up with the Brandon one, which to me was mind-blowing. But that's dated now. You go back and watch it, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Um, I mean, it's still great, but it's, it's, uh, it's not what we do right now. There's, yeah. And so, oh, I've lost the thread of the question. No. I think no. I think it's some people come in and they're they've been doing the same thing for so long, and they haven't been studying and they haven't been keeping up with new trends, that I'm like, well, that's a dated performance. Unless I'm looking for that kind of performance, especially for on-camera stuff. Totally. You know, I just mm.
0: walk away. Definitely. Yeah. I was gonna. I had a train of thought in regards to, the, the the levels of Shakespearean acting. Has that changed for you in the years you've been casting? Have you seen the change itself in terms of? Contemporary Shakespeare acting, absolutely. classical, absolutely, yeah, mm. absolutely. How does that manifest itself? Well, in your opinion,
1: I still struggle with it because I, because I was um, weaned on Branagh. Mm-hmm. His style to me is still incredibly relevant to yeah. me. Um, and students watch it, and there, i can see that they're like, "This is this is oldie timey," you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a—it's very chewy, you know. Mm. Um, it's over it's a over over overacted it's very flowery it's very it's it's excellent yeah and if you haven't seen bradley's Henry 5 i recommend everyone run out and see it um but but then you see actors now coming out of new york city and the stuff that they're doing with shakespeare it's much more conversational i saw hamlet at ashland Mm. um i don't know two seasons ago and it was all sort of death metal rock and roll it was really cool um And the guy who did Hamlet, when he did the To Be or Not To Be speech, he actually had a microphone, and he started under the audience going, that is the question, that is the question, that is the question, on the microphone, Hmm. that is the question, that is the question, that is the question. Um, And then he came out, and he held the microphone up to an audience member who went To Be or Not To Be, and he was like, that is the question. It was very contemporary, very conversational, Hmm. um, and it worked like gangbusters. Uh, It was still filled with passion. It was still filled with emotional truth, you Mm -hmm. know, but it was... um, it was just more naturalistic in a way. Um, I also see more and more, and um, Tim Orr is really great about being aware of this and mm-hmm. um, trying to cast against gender as much as like we just had a female Hamlet last yeah. season at Colorado Shakes, which is super exciting for everybody. I don't know that everybody really loved it. Some people were like, no, but mm-hmm. that shouldn't be that way. But I, I thought it was exciting and groundbreaking, especially for Colorado. Um, you know, there's love to get a trans actor in there sometime. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're trying more and more to be diverse, which we're behind the ball game there. Um, We're really, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contemporary things that are happening in Shakespeare when people audition. Women are always coming up to me saying, I need a good female Shakespeare monologue. And I'm like, you know what, for Denver, actually you don't anymore. You could do a man's monologue. You could, I think that because some of the older, more traditional people in town have moved on, And now there's younger people involved Mm -hmm. at the level of auditioning people. Um, Arvada Center, Colorado Shakes, Denver Center. um, I think everyone's a little more open to come in and do Polonius if you like Polonius and you're a woman, you know? If it's a good fit for you, do it, you Mm -hmm. know? So that certainly has cracked open for me. Um, Just material choices Mm -hmm. is a huge one. Um,
0: Meh. Have you felt like there's been... First, let me ask this question. As a casting director, there's a vision that you probably have to adhere to for whatever production company or director you're casting for. Uh-huh. Do, you, are you, do you ever feel limited by what you have to look for, or are you allowed to take best person available?
1: That depends. Mm. Um, usually not. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for on-camera, much less so. Um, my on-camera job is really to assemble the best pool of actors for Mm -hmm. those roles, based on the knowledge I have, Mm -hmm. for the client to choose from. Uh, So they will send me specs, they will send me references, and my job is to find those people as many options as possible of what they think they wanna see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actors, a lot of actors don't realize, but for on-camera stuff with us, if you come into an initial audition for a commercial, um, you've already been, if you have an agent, you've already been submitted by your agent, so they've already chosen to submit you, and then I have chosen from the people submitted, you. Mm. So by the time you get to the initial audition, you actually already had two auditions. So this is your third audition, you just didn't know about those other auditions. Oh, but wow. your agent had to choose to submit you, and then I had to choose you from the vast amount of submits that I got mm. to bring you in, because I think you're a good fit for those roles. Wow. Um, so usually at that point in the process for on-camera stuff, the producer, the director, the client take over, they choose who's called back. And sometimes I'll say, oh, you didn't call this person back, but I thought they had a really good audition, would you look at them again? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they'll say yes, and sometimes they'll say no, we're good. Uh, and then they're usually choosing who's cast, the final cast. And I'm there to help if they can't choose between two people. I can guide them. Uh, you know, They'll ask questions about certain people, and I can answer them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my my job moves from, after assembling the initial pool for on-camera, my job moves from choosing talent to negotiating and organizing and hand-holding and hosting um, mm-hmm. and doing paperwork. So it's not sort of as glamorous as it seems. Um, but it's, you know, they know their demographics for on-camera stuff a lot better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they'll cast someone and I'll be in my head going, that's the wrong choice. And then I see the spot, and I'm like, that was the absolute right choice. Mm. You know, that yeah. that person actually is the right choice, nice. and I would not have chosen that person. Um, for the stage, it's different. For the stage, I usually have a little bit more input. Um, usually, I I can, you know, help suggest. I think also for like CSF, which is a rep company, so there's four shows going at once, and you've got forty something actors playing multiple roles, not only in all the shows, but within each show, like Cyrano, I think. Everyone this year is playing like eight characters in Cyrano except for the leads. It's like an opera. There's so many roles in Cyrano. Um, and uh, I, I'm able to sort of look at the whole season and figure out in my brain, it's like some sort of idiot savant, mm. who's going to fit, um, who's going to work. And so Tim Orr ultimately makes the final decisions. The directors have a lot of input as to who they want. But I I get a little more creative satisfaction out of that. Because I get to choose more than I do for commercials.
0: I hear you. Yeah. Awesome. I was... It's... When you were talking earlier about the... In terms of like women Mm -hmm. going out for... Or at least reading male parts at their auditions and stuff like that. And I was going to ask about... Do you you feel now that there is a responsibility to seek out more diversity?
1: I do. Mm. I feel like... Uh, I think it's very important that people know that Shakespeare isn't just for old white people. Yeah, um, That Shakespeare is for everyone. And, you know, it, it anyone will relate to Shakespeare. Anyone will be moved by Shakespeare. Anyone will be transported by Shakespeare. And I think often it's easy to get stuck. And, you know, there's a demographic involved with a talent pool, you know, but it's it's easy to get stuck in sort of the all-white thing and I Mm -hmm. think that's that's not where we want to be as a people and as humans Mm -hmm. anymore and I think subconsciously casting an all-white Shakespeare Festival sort of fosters the idea that it's it's specialized Mm. and I think it's important to to see a wide range of people types sexualities ages colors everything um, So that audiences can come and they can be like, oh, that's, I'm a part of that. Mm -hmm. This history, this amazing language, these incredible stories, that's for me too, you know, Mm. and it's less isolating, I
0: hope. Yeah. Nice. Did, have you, was there ever a time where you didn't feel that way? Mm. Or where maybe you had your, you felt like hands were tied?
1: No, I would say it was... Uh, more of an ignorance on my part. It was more of a, I've always seen all-white Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always seen it done traditionally, sexually cast, you know, and it was more just sort of, well, that's the way it's always been. Mm. And so that's the way we do it. Yeah. And for me in the last five years, it's been like, we don't have to do it this way anymore. You know, that's not, certainly where where this country wants to be. And I no. think what we want to educate our 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 younger actors and even not actors our younger theater goers is that everyone is valid yeah. and that everyone is important. And so I hope I'm not sounding too pretentious, but it's a, uh, mm. it's been an education for me probably in the last five years, seven years of it's it's very important. And when I was acting, you know, mm-hmm. I was always like, I'm not getting these parts, you know, young white girl, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, Used to frustrate me because I would lose parts to to actors who were diverse, and it used to make me insane, you know. Um, And now I recognize why that was important, and I think at the time I didn't. It just frustrated me. Yeah,
0: no, thank you. That's that's not pretentious at all. Okay, that is (laughs) that's extremely um, I value it. So self aware. I I, there's been many times where I've like I I I caught myself yesterday saying something about in regards to the um, the documentary that came out of I Hate a Pooh from The Simpsons about this <laughs> just, this Indian guy who's like, I mean, he created this documentary about uh, Apu Nahasapeemapetilon uh, from The Simpsons, yeah. who ran a convenience store yeah. and fit a lot of stereotypes and talked to different actors of the, the same Indian persuasion. I would, I, I'm, excuse me, the, I don't, I'm not saying anything <laughs> right, right now, but. It's
1: it, the chocolate.
0: Yeah, it's the chocolate. It's the chocolate and the, the Pinot Noir. That's it. Yeah, it's not me being just ignorant. <laughs>
1: It's not me being a
0: doofus are <laughs> a bigot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. I hope not. No. No. So, but anyway, and and I caught myself like, like don't take the Simpsons, don't take the Simpsons away from me, because there's been no Native American representation either. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We, it's and and then you then I start like, after the second it left my mouth, I was like, I hope no one else heard that. Yeah. Because I am aware that like our struggles are our struggles, but. Through that, we're united. We need to be on each other's sides for these things. To have you say how how it manifested itself through your career as an actress. Noticing those things. Now in hindsight saying, oh, that was for the best. Mm-hmm. And in, in your position now, even within this community, having that awareness as well. Seeing how that's shifted. That's, it, it, for me, as just an actor without a podcast... It's. I'm excited. It's like okay. It doesn't feel like that's ever been a thing that's played a part in me not getting cast. And uh, ego aside, hmm. that's it's nice to see that at the very least we have an un, like there's an understanding out there. It, it's a shame. From and, and forgive me. I'm not trying to go in on you. I don't, Do I don't I? want it to sound like it. go in on me. Okay, <laughs> I will <laughs> no, strap don't in. Worry. No, but it's like um, it the The idea that it's happened within you had mentioned the last five years in terms of like this awareness of casting a much wider net yeah. in terms of diversity. It's yeah. like, there's a part I'm like, oh, good, within the last five years. And I was like, well, five years. The last, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then, but that's that is an argument that I find is happening a lot uh, now, more so than ever. Yeah. And I'm glad the argument is happening. And yes the argument should have happened sooner. Yes. But we have to be thankful for the fact that the argument is now happening. Yes. That there is dialogue about yes.
1: it. Yes. And this is for the Shakespeare yeah. casting. But I'm I do have to say that and I told this story earlier, I was teaching a class and I told this story. Maybe ten years ago we were casting something for a commercial and um there was their favorite actor was an African American man, mm-hmm. their favorite actress was a Caucasian woman. And they're like, Well now we have to choose one and then we have to find someone else to match them. Mm. And I was like well, why can't we just hire them together, and and you, they're your favorites? Yeah. Why can't they just be married? And it was before Levi's did that ad campaign where they had mixed race couples and they had all the sparklers. I don't that too, that ad campaign to me was like opened up advertising for me as far as as um, mixed race and, diver, and diversity in commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they said no, and I was like, why? I don't understand. And they said because at that time it'll take away people thinking about the the product. They'll instead start thinking, was that a mixed race couple?
2: Mm.
1: And suddenly they're out of considering the product for those 30 seconds and they're thinking about what they just saw. And now it's not an issue. Now, I don't think people think twice about it now. Um, But that has changed in the last 10 years. And I remember about, maybe it was eight or nine years ago, going, can't we do this? And they were like, no. Mm. But for some reason, my bias has always been Shakespeare is, has, I've always seen it done, you know, mostly white. So mm-hmm. for me, since working same. at CSF, same, right? Yeah. And working at CSF it's been like that is not and having the opportunity to go up to Ashland and see what they're doing up there, which, you know, they've been doing this for years and years when Libby Apple moved in there. She was big big on diversity and that mm-hmm. was in the nineties. Um but actually getting to go up and see it and being like the audience doesn't think twice about it. The audience doesn't most people don't go, you know, well they're siblings and one's Asian and one's white or they're you know their mother and son and one's black and one's Latino Mm -hmm. I think they just don't think about it now definitely which is how I think also awareness in general has opened up
0: I hope yeah I would certainly hope so I think when it comes to like the the casting thing it's this um, and, and correct me if 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 you find that my opinion on this is off base, but I think relationships is the thing that brings people in the most. Mm-hmm. Yes, it might be striking to see somebody that does, like, the, the, you have a, there was a great example a couple of years ago at the edge where they had, um, big daddy played by a black man and the rest of the family was white yeah, right. and none of the children were white. Right. And so that op, that opened up a whole lot of different questions for me about like, okay, who's big mama seeing? <laughs> like, and, and, and there were many, and there were a lot of people like, yeah, but you, you, if you're casting the black guy f- to cast a black guy I'm like there were people who wanted to do an all black cast hmm. like would that have irritated you for me and I I've directed one show so forgive me but like I want the best people telling the relationship part of that 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 uh-huh. story uh-huh. if you can sell me on the relationships and whatever your truth is your wants and your needs in a given moment if you can sell me on those I'm not really going to care what you look like. That's how I get brought in. Now uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. not every man, uh-huh. but
1: well, is that it, similar? It, yes, it is. And it also depends on the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the needs of the story? I mean, sometimes with some shows, like uh, I just saw Detroit '67 at the Curious. Yeah. You know, the, those roles needed to be cast the way they were cast because that's what tells the story. Yes, um, Shakespeare. You know if you're doing Othello or if you're doing Titus and you have Aaron, the Moor, mm-hmm. I mean, those, those guys somehow need to be an outsider. Yeah. You know, if it's not, you know, if it's not their ethnicity, it's something else. But the, you know, it's that tells the story. Yeah. So, so for me, it's, it's more about the relationships are super important, but how do they tell the story? And sometimes it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all to tell the story. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We can have, Everybody in here we want. We can have trans people. We can have, you know, a handicapped person, a person with disability. Uh, we can have all this stuff, and the story is still going to get told. So the demands of the script... Mm-hmm. There they go again.
0: Yeah. It's not me, I swear.
1: <laughs> the demands of the script are Are sometimes what drives those choices. But then sometimes there are no demands of the script, and mm-hmm. you can just be totally open with it, which is, which is fun.
0: Mm. Yeah. I- now it kind of shifts a little bit mm. to when you see a specific demand in a script, do you, are, you, are you like, uh-huh. Well... Do you feel hand- handcuffed or no? Uh,
1: it depends on the script and it depends on the director. Nah. Yeah, and usually the directors are the Don't ones... Don't get fired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love you. Um, the directors are the ones making those decisions usually. Mm. Um, we did have a, an issue with... It uh, wasn't an issue, but mm. a conversation... This year with um, You Can't Take It With You that. at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival in the casting because there's a couple and Reba and Donald are their name mm-hmm. and they're written as a black characters mm-hmm. in the 30s mm. and it's a uh, they're servants and it's very it's very of its time mm-hmm. and the director and I had she was like I don't know what to do about this you know she's like obviously they can't be they can't be black anymore you know that's not gonna work because it's it was very it was it was now it was it's offensive you yeah. know at the time it was not now it is mm-hmm. but the characters are in the play and they're part of the story Uh and so she and Tim and I talked about it and agreed that ultimately I think even she at one point she or somebody was like well let's make them Irish which I think when they did this at Denver Center, those two characters were Irish. And one of us was like, but wouldn't it be nice if there was no ethnicity involved at all, if there was no, you know, regional anything? Mm -hmm. So we shifted it to class um, because the family's all, you know, Upper West Side, New York, they're all very educated. Um, He goes to Columbia University to watch Commencements, you know. So we were like, well, the family is here, so let's make these guys, instead of choosing an ethnicity to plug them into, Let's make it more of a working class thing.
2: Gotcha.
1: So we were able to look at the demands of a script that had something that was dated, mm-hmm. and find a way to make it. We think still work in a contemporary, even though it's a period piece, yeah. and it's going to be set period. It has a contemporary element to it, or or change to it that hopefully will work great.
2: Yeah. I'm
1: hoping. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and also we have one of the richest characters in the play is being played by a black woman. So you know, so we have. Diversity and other roles in the play. Nice. Just we were like nobody who's any who's not Caucasian will be a servant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was sort of our goal <laughs> with casting that. So I think I think we did that. Oh, I hope so. we did. No, that, that's yeah.
0: fantastic. I'm glad that there was able to, that you were able to have that, that conversation. Like, I was too. Yeah.
1: And they're very open to it, which is great.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Um, as you look at what you do and your place within the community now. What are some of the things you're starting to, you're, 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 is there anything, trends you expect happening in terms of casting going forward?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I always hope that the best person for the role will get the part, and mm-hmm. I know that's naive, even still. Um, but my hope is that the trend will always be that the best person for the role gets the part. Nice. Um, but I'm sure that'll shift, you know, and I think, um, you know, Lynn at Arvada Center, Tim at at Carter Shakes and now Nataki and Chris Coleman at Denver Center I think are all very open to new avenues yeah. of casting mm-hmm. Grady is very supportive not only of new avenues of casting but also of the local community so I'm kind of hoping that there's a if there's a trend it's hiring more local actors yeah. with all these places you ah, know yeah. um, and I think you know Arvada's good at it especially with their musicals they aren't mm-hmm. but you know I don't know sometimes they bring in their leads but everybody does that yeah but but it would be really great to to get more local actors who are who who excel and Mm -hmm. i think that they're out there and i think some people are prejudiced against local actors i think some of the older people used to think oh well local actors aren't as good but i think when you look at the local pool a lot of the people here are people who have been in new york or la or chicago Mm -hmm. or atlanta And they've moved here for quality of life, or they've moved here because their spouse got a job,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're just as good here in Denver as they were in new york chicago l a or you know mm-hmm. and I've seen that happen in I've seen you know actors who you know work here a lot yeah. come in and you know, and people from New York are like, well, they're not good because they're they're when i was doing I did a commercial once, and i I'm fortunate to know people at the Denver Center. So sometimes when I do commercial castings, I'm able to bring in actors from Denver Center who are here from out of town. Mm. And so we had this big New York client come in, they were just jerks. <laughs> and um, oh, that was not a good day.
2: <laughs> but
1: we had an actor um, who was working at Denver Center at the time come in and do his audition. And they just, he left the room and they were just like, oh, these local dunks, they don't know what they're doing. And I was like, okay, that dude has a Tony nomination, wow. you know, mm-hmm. and you don't even know. So it's, it's, a, it's a bias, and I'd love, I'd love for, I think local people more and more are recognizing yeah. that local talent is good. Definitely. But I'd love to just erase that, eradicate that bias completely.
0: Uh, how, what do you think facilitated that bias, or facilitates it to this day?
1: I think it's a, oh gosh, I don't know. I'm speaking for other people, because I don't have this bias. But I think people think, oh, it's a cow town.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just this
1: small town, yeah. you know, and they don't they don't know what's current and they don't know what's relevant and It's just a it's just a prejudice that a lot of people who live in these bigger cities have when they come here mm-hmm. And they don't recognize I mean I know so many actors in town go to New York and see everything or you know They go to Atlanta. They're working a lot of the actors in town are flying to New Mexico Working down there a lot. Yeah. I mean I I can name you 20 Denver actors who were on Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. you know off the top of my head and people are surprised by that or they don't they don't they don't think that i i just think they think oh it's a small town they never left it they grew up there they don't know what they're doing yeah which is you know even if that's true a lot of the people here have trained and know what they're doing and study
0: yeah. Yeah. no that's uh. no, that's that's great thank you I mean, because i i as I, I again i mean i've tried this is a this is a novice explaining his his approach to the generals at DCPA. Okay. I've done it for, um, let's see, since 2007, since I graduated college.
1: I remember seeing you. <laughs> I think in 2007, you were really skinny. You had really long hair. Yeah. Not so skinny in. anymore. The well, hair's there. It was longer. Yeah. And I remember that. Definitely. And well, how much you've grown since then. Yeah. I, I see it. I've
0: noticed it. Well, I, and and that and that means the world to me. That's awesome. I I I the I've always described it as this, and the my. My my motto is changing. I'm married to the game, and I love my wifey. And the game is theater, mm-hmm. and I want to get as really good as I possibly can be. I've and I've I've shedded the desire to be quote unquote great. It mm. still creeps its head in every once in a while. I'm I'm a product of I'm a, I'm a I'm a single child of a single parent mother. Mm. Attention was what I always craved. I always got it, but she had to work. Yeah. She was busting her hump, twelve, fourteen hours a day, and it never dawned on me till I became an old man, a thirty-four year old man, oh, to go yeah. like, You're oh, so yeah, no, totally, <laughs> by all means, yeah. And I would just, I marveled at, at that in terms of her work ethic to to provide for me. But it for the longest time it was me, 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 me. Yeah. Give me the opportunity. Uh-huh. Like what? What don't I have? You think I don't have experience? Give me the experience. This right. idea that they can believe in you right off the bat, they can believe in you if you show preparation, skill mm-hmm. and determination. Mm-hmm. Not just eager determination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And while I had that in two thousand seven, I I still don't know what's gonna happen on the twenty eighth when I go in there at one forty five. I've got, but
2: yeah.
0: I've I've listened to people who talk about what you need to do, what you need to show. I'm thankfully fine-tuning a lot of these resume requirements for your class at the DCPA. Mm-hmm. It's been really rewarding from that perspective Good. to watch you two, you and Sam who teach it, work on specific things. And you both have a great knowledge of acting. That I mean, I'm sure there, are, there was a part of me, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was like, I wonder what notes she'll provide outside of a one-on-one classroom setting. Uh-huh. And it's right on par with what was there in that moment when we were working and talking about choices and wants and things like mm-hmm, that for mm-hmm. your monologues mm-hmm. spelling those out so you can see those thoughts those transitions um and that cuz then if you've got that in your back pocket when you show up then you've got something that a percentage of the audience or should say the the actors coming in don't necessarily have and that's exciting yeah. but when i what i was trying to get to is like when i mm-hmm. came into it, there was like I, you mean I've got to go to LA to be juror number five in Law and Order mm-hmm. to get a to get an understudy role at the DCPA? And then that wow. I've definitely seen that change. It has shifted. And there are, and there and the the actors that are getting those opportunities, I'm lucky enough to have known to have worked with some of them to know them, and they yes they are deserving, and that for me has opened up more positive energy when I show up there. It may take another ten years. It may take another two weeks,
1: but think about where you were, you know, in 2007 when you came into audition, and mm-hmm. then this year you've, you were in Waiting for Godot at the Arvada Center as mm-hmm. Pozzo, mm-hmm. incredibly challenging role. Um, you just did the show at Betsy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, another incredibly challenging role. I mean, you, you may not see it because you're living in it, but you have grown, and you are getting opportunities that you weren't getting back then. Absolutely, and that's happening. You yeah. know, and I think the more you study and the more specific I think even actors who you know have been working for 40 years they forget specificity and actions are key yeah. you know and they just start doing what they do because they're good at what they do yeah. and it, it's a little bit of laziness mm. and I think it becomes a little less interesting and I think any actor like one thing I no, I'm biased but one thing I admire about Sam who's my husband mm-hmm. um, is that he has always when he's worked at Denver Center and he's now in his mid-50s um, he still looks at the actors coming, the young actors coming right out of school from New York, from wherever they're coming from, Chicago, L.A., whatever programs, Northwestern, whatever they've come out of. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what can I learn from them? Ah. What are they bringing that they know that I don't know? Smart. And that, boy. to me, is what keeps him relevant mm. and what keeps him interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm using him as an example because he won't get mad at me. But um, but I think its he's always, re- he doesn't. He doesn't go up to the young actors and go, "Well, you know what you need to be doing in my day, blah blah blah." Absolutely. It's the opposite. He sits back and he watches. Nice. And he'll come home and he'll be like, "God, oh, this this kid right out of NYU did this thing and it was so interesting. I've never seen anyone do that, you know." And so even though he's older and and you know, he's towards the end of his career, he's still trying to learn. Yeah. And he's not judging where he finds his knowledge. Mm. You know, he Absolutely. recognizes that that younger actors have just as much to offer as someone with his experience and mm-hmm. his knowledge, yeah. uh, which I think is really great. I love that. And that's one reason why I like teaching. I've taught, I've been lucky enough to teach, I just finished the winter term at University of Denver. Mm. I've taught a couple semesters at CU Boulder. Um, every now and then I go speak to the students at Metro State. Roadrunners, what was? Roadrunners, yeah. and <laughs> I uh, I love it. And I, I'm always learning from those kids, and I know it, they're not kids, students. Yeah. And it's a cliche, um, but it's true, you know, I mean, I, Every time I teach, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Mm-hmm. Next time I do this, I'm going to refine it based on what that person just did. Nice. So I think anyone of any level just needs to keep learning. I think yeah. that's key. As soon as you stop learning, you stagnate. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. I w- it's like a dead shark. Oh, <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants a dead shark. Yeah. You, know? you gotta keep moving. Exactly. You gotta, keep, you gotta moving. keep moving. When I was, I've I've talked about this. Uh, I'm sure my, my my ghosties at home who are listening to this like <laughs> I will can count. On their toes and fingers How many times I've talked about the experience At the Advantage Center Walking mm-hmm. into the room is just an understudy And watching those names That I had seen on stages for years At a high level Asking questions yeah. And being nervous About the first day of being off book like, yeah. the, that, that, that put me That knocked me back on my butt Because was, there was this desire for me To go in there and be like I'm going to let the greats teach me and they taught me so much more by being for feeling like they were on the students level mm-hmm. not there was no pretension in terms of like when they asked a question there was no there was no arms folded when a note was given in a, yeah. in a side eye like and so when I was sitting there getting hands-on moment-to-moment stuff with Jeffrey Kent going like okay yeah I'm not feeling what you're asking me, but that there's a reason for it. I'm going to figure that out mm-hmm. because I'm not going to shut that that note out. And, and watching other actors, Sam specifically, Tim, mm. get those notes, digest them, ask questions, admit that Like in class... Like, it, I, I, I'm on an emotional level. I was... When I heard this thing from Sam Gregory in class on Saturday about how when he gets a new note, he sometimes goes up and it almost always happens. And uh-huh. I was like... Like that way. Like, oh God! Thank God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, so that's so awesome. Yeah. So no, thank you. That's your for for the compliment, and yeah. then for that compliments, and then the the breakdown of that. You have to stay moving. You have yeah. to keep learning. I've always likened what I've done as an actor as being an athlete. There's always somebody behind you trying to come for your mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. and that might be a, a dark, aggressive tone to take with it. But there was another generation. To stay relevant is key, and a great way to do that is to acknowledge the youth's expertise, greatness in a given moment, or with a how they handle something, yeah. and try and apply that to your own work. Never saying I've got all the answers. I know when I've thought that, I've been a terrible person to uh-huh. work with, and I've felt terrible about my work when I've gone home. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. and
1: the, and as you say, the greats. And I'm doing I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Um, ask questions because I think the actors at that level understand it's about storytelling. It's not about, you know, I know someone who's always like, they stole a show and it makes me crazy because that's not a compliment in my, I mean, to that person it's like the highest compliment they can give, Mm -hmm. but it makes me insane because I'm like, that's not the point. You know, you want to tell the story. You are there to, you are a vessel to facilitate the story. And I think that the actors who are asking questions and having those conversations are doing that because they want to be able to tell the story to the best of their ability,
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: have that perspective. And I think mm-hmm. actors who don't are just the ones who are like, "Well, I'm amazing. I know everything. I don't mm-hmm. need to worry about it." You know, yeah. and that's that's a limited actor, I think. Wow. And I understand the ego because you're up there, and it's incredible. It's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do, and you're opening yourself and your soul mm-hmm. to all these people who are going to sit back and go, "Well, that wasn't good," or whatever. You know, they're going to judge, and it's like, but that's my heart yeah. you're judging mm-hmm. so of course there's ego involved you have to protect yourself mm-hmm. but it's it's also was that uh, me? that's my oh, my, my watch my long. beautiful
0: white watch that matched my socks I like it <laughs>
1: it's, uh, it looks like a big polka dot too yes, which it does <laughs> nice. anyway, I think I just think that's the, I think it's there's always going to be ego I think there needs to be ego to protect the actor but at mm-hmm. the same time there needs to be an openness to absorb
0: absolutely that's it that's a great thank you Hmm. Um usually when we get to this point in the episode we <laughs> so. ask is there a is there a what ghost light would you leave on for the next generation as you've been that means like what piece of advice did you wish you had when you started being an actress or being oh. casting director it can even be both Oh my gosh
1: I have not prepared for this question
0: Yeah so the one I'd like to sneak on Yeah people. yeah
1: surprise me with this one Definitely Um I think as an actor and this is gonna sound this is gonna sound a little funny, but you're not it's not about competing with other actors i mean it is you're up for the same job against other people, obviously over and over and over again, but it's not them it's it's the uh, it's the people making the decision who are making the decision so I think it's important to not be bitter or small to other actors, Mm -hmm. not cut them down or denigrate. I think it's really important to support each other as artists. And if someone gets a part, that's amazing. And maybe you'll get the next one. But that person got the part because they fit all of the hundreds of criteria that were needed for that particular role. I mean, if you've done your work, if you've prepared, If you come into an audition like it's a rehearsal, which I think is a great way for actors to approach auditions, as though you already have the part, you've done your prep, but you're there to listen and play. Mm -hmm. If you've done all that, you've gone in, you've given your best, you've done your work, and someone else gets the part, it's just because there were a myriad of other things that have nothing to do with you that led to that person getting the part, usually. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's really important to help each other and to support each other. Mm-hmm. And I spent years of my life not doing that, and I think it was a huge mistake. And now I watch other actors, and I watch them try to psych each other out in the waiting room and stuff. And I always ask my people, checking people in, who was mean, who mm-hmm. was a jerk, who was playing head games, because yeah. I don't want to work with that person yeah. in the show or on the set. You know? And I pass that on to my clients. I've heard yeah. this person's a bit of a problem. My PA said they were doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just don't think of it as a competition with other people. Think of it as you're just going in, and one of these times you're gonna you're gonna fit. It's more about how you fit than it is about someone else is better or someone else is booking more. Yeah, you still have to train, you still have to study, you still have to do all your work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say don't take it out on other actors.
0: Oh, it's great. Okay, that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, I, I've been on both sides. For the myriad of reasons I mean probably just like you felt that there's this there's this desire, especially when you think like, "Oh man, I crushed that audition. yeah, I gave it my all. I yeah. prepared for weeks. What do you mean I didn't get cast? Yeah, where's my phone call? Screw that guy yeah. like I remember I auditioned for a show um at the Arvada Center years ago for Billy McBride. My fly was down. Oh, no. I stopped in the middle of my monologue. But I was the right age. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, I mean, I, this was like 2008. I'd yeah. been doing it for a year. Right. But I there was a part of me when they cast this other guy, they're like, whatever. Mom, we're going to see this show. Uh-huh. And it was a completely, like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah that's what that is
1: and sometimes someone else is more right for the part yeah you know and that's that's what happens Mm -hmm. i mean that's there's there's a hundred auditions in you book one if you're lucky Mm -hmm. you know um so i think just taking on other actors is or the directors or the casting directors whoever you know it's it's usually it's sort of its own living creature that makes its own decisions in a way you know yeah um yeah yeah
0: fantastic yeah Thank you so much, oh, Sylvia, you, for sitting with me. Yep. I hope you had a good time. I did. I hope you did, too. Absolutely. It was I, mildly I, interesting. It was. With our with our technical <laughs> difficulties and all, I think this is still going to be a great episode. Great. Even if we start from the rambling of trying to get the, oh the recording device going back up. Um, ladies and gentlemen, um, Sylvia Gregory, Sylvia Gregory Casting, she's involved with CSF make sure you go buy your tickets asap i hear yeah. it's selling really well it already is. It is. um they've got amazing talent luckily i've been able to work with some of them um and you listen to this podcast do your homework stay busy stay dedicated keep moving and keep the protection of the ego but mm-hmm. don't let it blind you mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen the song is war by the hypnotic brass ensemble You can find them like us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Follow us on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter. Tweet at me, bro. Um, That's all I got for you. Thank you. We'll be back later this week with uh, Paul Page. Thank you again, Sylvia. Appreciate your time.
2: Lovely.